Hello and welcome to another episode of Read and React. I'm Ben Ladner and joining me on the other line to celebrate what we finally reached now, the uh, the all-star break, the not technically midpoint of the NBA season. John Sauber, how you doing, man? I, I just want the listeners to know we were so close to never having a podcast again. So, so close. The, the closest we've ever been to never recording again and never. I was so mad. I was <laughs> I was so angry. Oh yeah, that's you right. And I, you it's and been about else. a week. Actually, it's yeah. been exactly a week since uh, the event that I will not mention by name. Yeah, that's um, right. How how are you? How are things on your end? Honestly, I don't like. It's one of those things. I don't know that I'll ever like fully get over. Yeah, which sucks. It's and the way it ended. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I can talk about it now to some extent without getting angry. Um, there are not a lot worse ways for that to end, though, right? Like. It is. It's brutal. I can think of one. Uh, I, well, yeah. It's similar, though. It's like those are the only two teams that have blown double-digit halftime leads in the Super Bowl. So, yep. um, but yeah, the uh, I I tell everyone this. What I think upsets me most is that I know deep down, like in my heart of hearts, if they get the ball back, they win that game. They didn't. Just like cause... if the Falcons had won the coin toss. Yeah. What, what really bothers me is that everyone's going to remember that game really fondly because it was awesome. Uh, I will not. Right? Like, it's it just like just won't yeah that's that's the uh the prison of being a fan is that awesome games can very quickly become the worst moments of your life when your team is on the losing end of an awesome game and i will say like i've never been closer to like just abandoning fandom too just like wanting nothing to do do with it anymore uh which i mean i won't but yeah that's that's brutal it's tough. Well, let, let's move off the subject. Let's do that. For, <laughs> I'm, for getting, I'm getting sad again. For <laughs> the sake of both of us and the listeners. Coming off of All-Star Saturday night, last night, we're, like I said, entering the All-Star break. A little bit of peace and quiet here before the home stretch of the NBA season. Well, and today's the big day, too. The Daytona 500. Oh, is that today? Yeah, apparently wow. it is. Wow, good for them. This is the ultimate, like... It'll I'll, I'll forget that it's on at like 145 and then it'll start and then like I'll just be looking for something to watch and there's like 20 laps up. I'm like, mm, we're going to check this out. Well, I wish you luck. Have fun with that because <laughs> I will not be tuning in to the Daytona 500. Uh, there are a few news items here that that we should hit on, uh, particularly on the buyout market. Um, the, the the Some of the guys who were either traded at the deadline and then bought out or have just kind of been toiling with with teams that no longer want them and are now signing elsewhere. Um, also got a couple of kind of general overview questions about the state of the NBA to get to. And then we'll get to one of our favorite traditions of the year here, our League Pass All-Stars. As the rest of the NBA world celebrates the actual All-Stars, um, we, we will take a look at some of the guys that we've enjoyed most watching this season. Uh, but first, I think the big news item that came out today actually was Kevin Love, formerly of the Cleveland Cavaliers, We'll sign with the Miami Heat uh, as as kind of a backup big man option for them. Interesting, you don't often see a guy get bought out by a, content, a potentially contending team and then sign with another playoff team. Usually they're on bad teams, kind of bad contracts on teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. Um, so what, what what's your reaction to this? How do you think he fits in? Yeah, first, officially on Sham's side of all of this, uh, he just reported that the Heat, where the front runners and Woj had to throw in that the Sixers were going to have discussions with Kevin Love when he got bought out uh, and got my hopes up uh, because I think Kevin Love can be helpful, uh, right? Especially as a backup four or five. I just don't know how much that matters in Miami. Like, I don't know how much 
you know, any additions Miami was going to make matter right now, right? To me, he went from a team with good championship odds, or at least decent, to very low championship odds. Um, he went from a team that should win in the first round to a team that shouldn't win in the first round, right? And I know he wants to play, and he will play. And I, I kind of wonder how much uh, he's hoping for Miami-Cleveland in the first round at the 4-5, you know, to try and uh, to exact some revenge. But, yeah, I just don't think it's consequential for Miami because it is Miami, right? Like, I'm assuming they're going to start him at the 4, and I don't think you want to start him at this point in his career. Like, maybe he closes a game or two if if you're struggling on the glass or if you need some playmaking or, you know, if you need some shooting. But to me, like this is, he's better than their current fours. I just don't know how much it matters, right? Like he's not going to help them defensively. Uh, he's going to put another target out there defensively. And they don't exactly have someone back there that clean, can clean up the messes, right? Like had he gone to Milwaukee, they'd have had Lopez and Giannis on the court with him. Uh, one of them would be on the court with him at a time. Um, the Sixers would have had Embiid, like even Cleveland had even playing, they had, uh, you know, Allen and, and Mobley to protect the rim behind him and clean up any messes that he creates. Uh, Boston with Horford and uh, Robert Williams, like this is the only team in that top group, if you even want to say they're in the top group, that doesn't have that kind of protection behind him because that's not the kind of uh, defender Bam Adebayo is. Uh, he's not a great rim protector. And so you, you kind of create more messes, more uh, confusion defensively. And, you know, I don't know that they needed the offensive help in the playoffs anyways given what we've seen from Jimmy Butler in the past and what he turns into. So this just kind of feels like uh, not a waste, but like just not impactful uh, in, in the, the grand scheme of the league this year. That's interesting. I agree with what a, a lot of what you said there about the defensive concerns and not having that backline rim protector, but I actually come down on the opposite side in terms of whether this is good for him and for Miami. I think this helps Miami. They're 25th in offense right now, fifth in defense. So offense is kind of the place where they need help and love, I think, can provide that help. Plus, it's not like you have to play him 20, 25 minutes a game. You mentioned they'll, they'll probably start him. I actually think they'll just continue to kind of go the way they've been going, bring him off the bench and just play him in kind of a limited role. And in situations where he can't really play because of his defensive concerns, you don't have to play him. And that, that's kind of the thing with a lot of buyout guys, you know, especially people like Love, LaMarcus Aldridge, those types, Blake Griffin, guys at the end of their careers who – you know, are coming off these exorbitant contracts and, and now are minimum guys, essentially, you know, what often happens for them, sometimes they'll start out getting some entitlement minutes, but eventually it kind of becomes clear that they're not really the best option for the team. And so they, they just play a more limited role. And I think love probably understands that. So if he's coming in just as a shooting specialist, a guy who can open up the floor a little bit for them, I think that really helps because their problem right now is they just can't make a shot. I mean, they, they have a lot of theoretical shooters. They have Jimmy Butler who can drive and kick, Bam Adebayo, who can theoretically initiate some offense, but just not a lot of guys who are knocking down shots this season. And so I think Love, at the very least, helps with that and then gives Butler and Adebayo more space to operate. So, you know, you can envision kind of lineups with him and Bam and Jimmy and Kyle Lowry when he comes back being pretty good offensively, and obviously you give some of that up defensively. Uh, but if he gets them a little bit closer to like 18 to 20 offensively instead of 20 27th right now or 25th whatever they are um I, I think that's worth it for miami at whatever you know the minimum contract they're paying him is yeah i i mean I, that's not to say I, I don't think he'll be helpful right like i think he does improve a spot in their rotation i just don't think it matters um and i don't think they're going to be relevant enough for it to matter uh the rest of the way offensively i think the mistake would be making him just a spot-up shooter right like 
I would want him setting ball screens uh, quite yeah. a bit. That's I probably, I would him... probably oversimplified it. He can pass too. Yeah. And, and like, he's an excellent rebounder still, despite being older. Um, and so like, I would want him to be more involved in the offense. Uh, I think they probably will involve him more, but the problem is you probably want him to operate a lot of the same places with the ball that Bam Adebayo does. Uh, you know, that, that high post, uh, you know, having him, you know, uh, catch a pass off of a screen and, and make something happen on his way to the rim. Uh, you know, he's not as much of a fish- finishing threat as that bio is, but he can still make things happen in those situations because of the passing. So, yeah, I, I just think like, I think he's good. I think he's helpful. I'm surprised the Cavs stopped playing him, honestly. Uh, I was too. But I, I just think because the team he went to, it's kind of, it's kind of all for naught. And like, you know, he might, he might be, re- he should be really helpful during the regular season. I just wonder, you know, how much does it matter if they're facing, for instance, the Cavs in the playoffs, right? Like, is is it really relevant that he's out there when Evan Mobley can cover him and someone at the rim at the same time? Yeah, and I'm uh, to go back to the point you just made. I actually, I think he could have helped the Cavs. I'm j- I'm kind of surprised that he wasn't really in their rotation, especially because he played so well for them last year. But you know, for whatever reason, he just kind of wasn't part of their plans. Um, so maybe he will be in Miami. We'll see. And and potentially, you know, the defensive concerns uh, in that system are a little bit less of an issue you know we've seen guys kind of go in there and and not be huge liabilities defensively in ways that they might be in other systems and you can envision some nice little passing interplay between him and bam Adebayo, jimmy butler a lot of smart veterans on that team who just kind of know how to make things work on the court so but ultimately i think i do come down on the same side as you um just in the sense that this probably doesn't swing the title picture very much um any other buyout candidate or buyout guys that you know have have signed with teams that you feel like are going to be impactful usually you know the thing with buyout guys every year we talk about oh so and so where's he going to sign and and this team got so and so on the buyout market can you believe it and then by the playoffs they're not playing so if history is any indication here and it usually is none of these guys are really going to make a huge impact in the playoffs but is there anyone out there that you know a player team combination that you kind of looked at and said okay that could be interesting you know maybe he helps them a little bit in a limited role in the playoffs yeah, I mean, I think the funniest one is Terrence Ross. Uh, just like, it just feels like the Suns are totally missing the mark on what they need. Like, yeah. just especially I, when I they already like have Justin Damian Hall. Lee, who's like giving them a better version of what Terrence Ross is theoretically giving them. Right. Well, in Terrence Ross can create a little bit off the dribble. I think that's the the main advantage. Uh, but Justin Holiday, I know he's thirty four, but was readily available and will at least defend a little bit. Uh, it felt like a much cleaner addition there. Yep. Um, the, it, it's funny. There haven't been a ton of guys yet, it seems like, that that have found homes, right? It's Ross. It's Dwayne Dedman. It's Kevin Love. Uh, Love is, I think, clearly the best player of those three, followed by Ross, followed by whatever you want to call Dwayne Dedman at this point. I, frankly, he should not be on an NBA roster. Uh, it's kind of, kind of dumb that he is. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, the, it feels like we haven't hit the point yet where those guys have have been bought out. I think the one that everyone else is waiting for, and you and I are waiting for too, for a different reason is Russell Westbrook, just so you and I can find out which team we're not going to watch the rest of the regular season. Uh, and that'll make that easier. But, you know, I, this, there is, I think there is talent on the buyout market. It's just some of these fits have been like, why is that happening? Right. Like Patrick Beverly can probably help a team. I hope he goes back to Minnesota. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, Terrence Ross, I thought could help a team. I just don't know if he's helping that team. Kevin Love could help a team and is going to help the Heat in the regular season, uh, and could have had more of an impact, you know, on a better team. But, but yeah, I, 
I don't think we've gotten to the point yet where all of these guys are making decisions, right? Like, I'd be curious to see if Nerlens Noel gets bought out. I think that'll be one that I, another guy that I can't figure out why he isn't playing. I mean, I can because Detroit's a mess, but like, it feels like he should be able to help a team as a backup five. The only other one that kind of comes to mind for me is Reggie Jackson to the Nuggets. I don't love that fit, but he's at least a good enough player that he might be able to make an impact and can do a little bit with the ball in his hands and and potentially kind of help keep those second unit offenses afloat when Jokic is off the floor, you know, for the eight minutes that Jokic doesn't play in the playoffs. Um, that That's about it, though, for me. I mean, like you mentioned, Russ, it's been rumored he might go to the Clippers. Who knows? I think that would be disastrous for the Clippers. Um, yeah, but it would be funny. So I am. Oh, it totally. That. that that's the funniest outcome, easily. But you know, in terms of like what I actually think is best for the teams, um, that clearly is not in the Clippers' best interest. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Other teams have fallen for Russell Westbrook before, so I'm not going to put it out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, and it seems like the players in Los Angeles really want Russ too. Uh, I don't know. Do you get the feeling just based on reading the reporting on this? It feels like the players want him and Lawrence Frank is just like, guys, please don't like just, yeah, we don't have to do this. And, but the players are really, uh, pining for him. Paul George said that they could give him the spacing he would need to go to work. And, uh, please do please give him the spacing he would need to go to work. Uh, I love that. I I do think like the thought there is like, how can we accommodate Russell Westbrook and how can, how can we create an environment where, where Russell Westbrook is going to be at his best? I don't know. I, I think you're going to run your world. offense around Russell Westbrook. Like, is that is that the theory there from Paul George I, that you're going to think... put the ball in his hands and run spread pick and roll and you and Kawhi Leonard are going to be spacing the floor? I think that's what he wants. I think that is cool. That is quite the decision. Um, I hope well, it would certainly give a... the Clippers more offensive structure than they have now. I'll at least say that. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just. I think there's a world where he isn't on um, a team that that wants him by the end of the year, I guess the best way to put it. Like, I think he might stay in Utah. Um, And boy, that's a disastrous outcome, right? Like, if if no team wants him right now, who signed him next year, right? Like, I've seen this stuff. Like, people argued for the Bulls to sign him. Why? What, what, like, the, again, the same argument is about structure and everything. I get it, but you have DeMar DeRozan. Just run more p- pick and roll with DeMar DeRozan. That's it. Problem solved. I mean, we've been saying for years, why would any team sign Russell Westbrook or trade for Russell Westbrook? I mean, what we, we, I, th- I feel like this is year five of us saying this, where it's like he only helps you if you're a bad team. And if you're bad enough that he can help you, you're better off being bad. And if you're if you're good enough to not be bad, then he doesn't help you because he can only play with the ball and he's not good off the ball, but he's not good enough with the ball to raise you to the level that you need to be in order to be good. But we're still having these conversations. I just, I just don't understand it. I don't know. I don't want to. He's, it's so depressing. Let's move on. It's, Let's move again, on. It's, he's going the way of Allen Iverson. Yeah, essentially. it's it's rough. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. I want to check in, first of all, on the Mavericks. Now that we've had a couple games with Kyrie and Luca together, we've seen Kyrie in a Mavs uniform. What are your early impressions here? And obviously still a lot of season left to be played for them to kind of get together, the team to gel, all of that. But what are your early impressions of Kyrie and Luca together? And have your thoughts on that trade changed at all since seeing them play together? Not really. Uh, they're going to be really fun offensively, really good offensively. And uh, defensively, it seems like it's going to be a nightmare. Um, and even the offense, like, the, I don't know, maybe I was too hyper fixated on this, but like, it seemed like there was too much my turn, your turn, right? Like, and they just went back and forth and not enough cohesiveness. And that's a problem. We know that for teams, once they get the playoffs, that just doesn't work. Uh, it was the downfall for the Sixers in part last year. They just kept doing it with Embiid and Harden. Uh, and you know, they had to adjust and incorporate more pick and roll between the two of them this year. We'll see if they actually do that in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I I just think that they they need an actual offense involving those two and not just each of them running spread pick and roll over and over and over again with one standing to the side, right? That can be really efficient, but it's not going to be efficient enough. Yeah, and to me, that's on Luka because Kyrie is a good off-ball player. He's willing to play off the ball. He did it next to LeBron. He did it next to Harden and KD. He, he even did it with the Celtics a little bit, and he'd come off screens. You know, he'd, he'd get the ball with an advantage. He'd spot up. He'd cut all that. He's done that so far with the Mavericks. The issues with the continuity for me fall on Luka because, as we've said before, he just doesn't do anything without the ball in his hands. And he's been a little bit more active since this trade. I think he understands in principle that he needs to be more active without the ball as a cutter, as a spot-up shooter now that Kyrie's in the fold. But the way to maximize these guys is to get both of them operating on and off the ball. And obviously, there is only one ball, so only guy, only one guy can control the ball at once, which means that whoever doesn't have the ball needs to be a threat without it. And right now, that's just not part of Luka Doncic's game. So the offensive ceiling of this team, to me, is all about 
whether Luca can can buy into and thrive in a role off the ball. I also think this trade, the more I think about it, because they gave up Dorian Finney-Smith, this trade is really a bet on guys like Josh Green, Maxi Kleba, whether Maxi Kleba can be healthy and good when he comes back, even like Theo Pinson to a lesser degree. It's really kind of a bet on those wings to to be like the defensive glue of this team. Yeah, and I I don't know. I have no faith that they're going to hold things together defensively, right? I don't know why we would have reason to to believe that those guys can hold things together. They're not good enough defensively. Josh Green, I think, is is now their best defender, right? I think that's probably uh, true. And he's, credit words due, Josh Green is good. Like, he is, I don't know, is he their third best player already? Like, is that, it, it might be. Uh, and so, I think like, lately he has been. Yeah, and, and which is not also not good because again, you you don't want that guy being your third best player yet. And and again, that's not a knock on him. That's they have title aspirations, right? You need your third best player to be better than than Josh Green. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's on Luca, right? Like he just got to be willing to do more. They need to set more screens for each other. I, like I, there is not enough creativity to what's going on. And again, it's only been a few games. Like Jason Kidd could have been like, all right, let's just get to the All Star break and then we'll figure it out over the break and then go from there. So. It's a bit early to judge, but like the early returns aren't great. Um, and, you know, this is why we I think we both said that we didn't know how we felt about the deal or we did. And it wasn't it wasn't all that positive. Yeah, it's a little like the KD trade to me where it's like they kind of had to do this to increase their championship upside. But in doing so, they also lowered their floor a little bit and I could easily see them losing in the first round. Let's let's talk about the other side of the Kyrie trade. Let's focus on the Brooklyn side of this because you know Mikhail Bridges dropped 45 the other night Dorian Finney-Smith Cam Johnson all these guys are healthy they're looking good they're playing well what do you think of the Nets now and, and not only where they go kind of for the rest of this season but then looking beyond this you know how have they positioned themselves here by getting off of Kyrie and KD let's not talk about this yet let's let's hold on to this one okay because when we get to the uh, league pass all stars. I think we're gonna be covering a lot of these. Oh guys, so. yes, well, I mean we can just throw in the Nets as a team at, for the league pass all stars. They've been one of my favorite teams to watch since this trade. It's amazing. They were one of my least favorite teams in the league to watch, and now they're one of my favorites. They just have so many two way wings that can do a lot of things on and off the ball. It's just oh man, and what it's not the... even just the wings, right? Like it's uh, there's a there's myriad guys who yeah, just a delightful uh, turn here from the Nets. Yeah, it really is to go from one of the most unwatchable teams in the league to one of the most eminently watchable. Let's talk about another Eastern Conference team here that has uh, whose stock has been ticking upward. The Milwaukee Bucks, who recently won 12 in a row. They've won 13 out of 14, I believe, heading into the break. They're now a half game behind Boston for first in the Eastern Conference, plus four net rating on cleaning the glass. That's third, four, sorry, fourth in the league. Sorry, make that fifth in the league. I uh, didn't scroll all the way up on the page. Boston still first, pretty much by a mile. Maybe we'll talk about that in a second. But the Bucks are steadily creeping up. Giannis is starting to look a little bit more like Giannis. Are you more bought into the Bucks than you were a month ago? Less bought in, the same amount? Or is it just wait till the playoffs and see? Where, where are you on Milwaukee right now? Wait till the playoffs and see and wait till Chris Middleton really gets it all together or doesn't. Because uh, he started looking look better, better, though. But he does not look good enough, right? Uh, and I think that matters. Um, you had to know I was going to bring this up now that we're talking about the Bucks. Did you see the straw pool? Uh, the the Bontemps MVP? MVP. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I'm I probably glanced at it, but I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. This is the 
perfect indication of recency bias. Giannis is second, which is just ludicrous. Uh-huh. Like, it's, I mean, he's been great of late. He's been the best player in the world for the last two weeks. For the last two weeks. This is a season-long award. He's under 60% true shooting still. Uh, usage is still sky high, but every other metric, like he's down essentially from his usual uh, career self. Um, yeah, I just think that like it's lunacy to have him. I mean, top five probably, right? Maybe maybe creeping in that fifth spot, but like the 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 top uh, the top four is probably pretty or top three is probably pretty set for me right now, uh, and I can't, I can't imagine taking him over any of those three. So, yeah, he is looking better though, and I I think there's something there but the problem but the problem is like the offensive stuff still keeps coming back right the issues offensively like the hey man why why are you taking that 16 footer or 16 footer that's a a fade away from the post like you don't need to do that you are enormous get to the rim uh there's some so there's some of the shot taking stuff that's not good maybe the reason is is he just feels like that's a shot he's going to need in the playoffs and he's just he's working on it and this is i mean this is the thing is like we say all the time i think you'd probably say more than i do like the regular season doesn't matter for the Bucks. Who cares? It's all about the playoffs. If we're going to say that, we can't then penalize Giannis for well, kind of I, play testing some of these shots, some of these moves that he's going to need in the playoffs. Like if we're going to say the regular season doesn't matter, we can't also penalize the Bucks for not taking the regular season as seriously as some other teams. No, I'm I'm not penalizing them as a team. I just don't think that's a shot that he wants to take in the playoffs either. It's something that he should be working on, right? Like I don't think that is uh you know, I think he needs to get more comfortable shooting off the catch before he gets more comfortable shooting from 18 feet. Uh, you know, I, I think he should be working on that, right? Like, I think if this is if this is the response, if this is what they're working on, I think they're working on the wrong things. Uh, I think he's going to work on something that isn't going to be efficient in the playoffs, that won't be helpful in the playoffs. Um, like you said, though, the regular season, they're, they're 19th in offense. I just don't really care. They're going to be fine in the playoffs when it comes to offense. I'm not overly worried about it. They haven't had a great year. Um, they're, they've gotten luckier than than usual, even um, when it comes to point differential. Their expected win differential is positive four point six. Essentially, have four point six more wins than you would expect with someone with that kind of point differential. Um, so you know, getting a little lucky, but yeah, I, like I'm not worried about them in the postseason any more than I usually would be. But I, I do think that they have taken a step back in the regular season and kind of. I've seen some people had him first in MVP over Jokic, which to me is just absurd. Like as dumb yeah. as I think it is that he's over Embiid. Uh, which I uh, blatantly incorrect. It's even dumber that they would have him over Jokic. No, I agree. The last point I'll make on the Bucks is I, I just, I mean, this is maybe an obvious point, but that Giannis and Middleton are now starting to trend in the right direction at the same time is obviously an encouraging sign. Uh, Zach Lowe had in his 10 things yesterday or two days ago on Friday, um, their usage of Brooke Lopez as more of a post guy, just a quick duck in post score, just kind of adding these extra wrinkles into their play into their offense that they haven't always had. I think Joe Ingles is part of that too. And his ability to initiate from the perimeter. I think he's probably the best passer on this team and, and giving their offense an ingredient that they kind of need. So I, I think the offensive diversity, you mentioned their 17th or 18th, whatever they are offensively. I'm not too worried about that. I think they're going to be able to score in the playoffs because they're, you know, not at an elite level, but their defense is just going to be so good. I I think that they don't need to, they're kind of the anti nuggets in a way where the nuggets are just so good offensively. They only need to be good enough on defense. The bucks are the inverse. Their defense is going to be elite. And, and to me, the way Middleton's playing, the way Ingles is playing, the way Giannis is starting to get it together. Drew holiday. You could add to that conversation too. Um, I think their offense is getting into that territory where it'll be just good enough. And, and uh, you know, just as a whole, that that race for the first seed matters in the East now. 
uh, matters quite a bit, especially because Brooklyn lost everything, blew it up. Boston, Milwaukee tied the loss column at 17 losses. Philly, two games behind at 19. Cleveland's pretty much out of that. They're six back. One of those teams probably won't lose six games the rest of the way and give them a chance to get back in. But those three teams, whoever gets the one seed doesn't have to face the other two to the conference finals. And that really matters this year. So um, that is it's nice to have the regular season matter this late to the point of like, I don't know, I wouldn't be resting my stars if I was those three teams because I would be clamoring to face either the Cavs or the Nets or whoever it is from the four five matchup in the second round instead of the two three. Well, and not only do you not have to face the two and three until the conference final or two or three until the conference finals, but we've talked all season about how, and this applies in the West too, about how deep both conferences are. I mean, just to not have to face like Miami or Brooklyn in the first round is a boon, you know? So if you fall to two or three, now you're putting yourself in jeopardy of playing a better team in the first round and not that you'd get upset or that you'd be, you know, uh, there'd be a high likelihood of losing that series, but just to not have to pick up that attrition that you go through in the first round, just to to have an easier first round matchup and be able to save yourself for those later rounds, I think matters too. Well, in the, the first uh, slate of matchups, if, if they were everything to were to hold still, including with plan, would be uh, Boston, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Miami, Sixers, Knicks, Cavs, Nets. Uh, yeah, I'd much rather see Atlanta than Miami. Yeah, give round. me give me the Atlanta Hawks all day, every day of that group. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Are we sure that Boston isn't just the clear favorite? Not only in the East, but in the entire NBA. I'm not sure, but... It kind of feels like it's trending that way. I will say, if, we, if we're going by point differential, Cleveland is not far behind. They're not, <laughs> but when, when Boston's been healthy, they've just annihilated everybody else. And when you look at, I, I've seen this stat kind of bouncing around the internet, 
and on different podcasts recently, like people are, are looking at the top 10 net ratings against teams with top 10 net ratings, you know, and Boston's like 11 and three with like a plus five net rating against the 10 best teams in the league. Now, part of that is they are one of the 10 best teams in the league. They are the best team statistically. So they don't have to play the best team in the league because that's them, you know, still like against the other nine best teams in the league, they've kicked ass all season. I mean, like they, in those head to head matchups, they've been dominant. And, and I just like, there's a feeling deep down inside me that we're going to look back in July and be like, well, yeah, obviously the Celtics went 16 and five in the playoffs. Like who was going to beat them? You know? Yeah. And I think that's reasonable. You know, uh, I think that the, for good reason, favorite to be the one seed, the favorite to, to avoid those matchups too. So they should have the cleanest path there. Um, You know, I, I do think like, you know, you go back to the top 10 thing, like Milwaukee's not far behind them. Boston's 13, five against top 10 teams in that rating. Milwaukee's 12 and six uh, Philly and Memphis, 11 and eight and 10 and eight. So like, it's not like, it's this exorbitantly, they are outscoring teams more, but again, you know, in a sample size that small, all it takes is like one blowout win to to really swing uh, the the point differential there, right? Like to to swing, you know, if you're if you're talking 18 games, you win one game by 25, suddenly it looks enormous. You win two games by 25, it looks enormous. So, um, you know, I, I know that, I don't think that's necessarily indicative of the entire team. They have, you know, win over Milwaukee by 21. I believe that was... Was that without Giannis? I know it was without Middleton, I believe, without Holiday, but I, I think it was a just Giannis game and maybe Holiday went full pumpkin again. But, you know, they have they have some wins that are really good, uh, but can also sway a sample size like that and kind of dilute the pool and make it not as apparent that, like, you know, some of these games are pretty close, uh, that they're playing close games. I don't think they're going to walk through the East, but I do think they have to be the favorite at this point. Well, and they've, they've had big wins, not only against the Sixers, but against the Grizzlies recently. Like I said, they just came up short against Milwaukee, um, who was far healthier and and was just outmanning Boston. And, you know, to even be in that game, I thought was a testament to to how good the Celtics are. The thing that stands out to me with them is just when you watch them, how clean everything is, how smooth it all is. The offensive concepts and principles that Joe Missoula has put in there are may, maybe the best in the league. I mean, just the way they space the floor, the way they move the ball. I don't think they really run that many sets that are just mind-blowingly good. I, I don't look at their offense the way I do, say, even like Denver, who, who doesn't run a lot of sets, but just kind of flowing through one player. It's not that. It's not an Eric Spolstra offense where the X's and O's are really are really precise and everything is just this tactical you know, uh, tapestry. It's just like they're they're playing from spots. They're moving the ball. They're driving and kicking. They know how to play with one another. And and like the, the concepts, they just all kind of fit together. And it doesn't matter who you plug in. As long as the core guys are roughly in, you know, generally kind of healthy and, and playing, the the concepts and the principles of the offense are just so sound. You can just plug almost any NBA player in there and it's going to look pretty good. Yeah, I think the concern would be just play devil's advocate. Like you talk about being able to plug all those guys in. That rotation is getting cut in the playoffs, or it has to. Right? Yeah, because but they have so many guys, you can cut it down to nine and still feel good. You can cut it down to nine, but when you're you're six through nine or seven through nine are facing the other teams four through six or one through three more consistently and less, you know, I don't know, like all bench lineups, it's a little more concerning and there's a little room because that is that's one thing we see about these super deep teams in the regular season. They don't pull away necessarily in the Tatum Brown minutes. They pull away in the, you know, Pritchard Hauser minutes, right? Where the other yeah. team is 
got their backups in and suddenly, you know, a, a two point game is a 14 point game because Pritchard and, and Hauser and, you know, whichever fives in there and Derek white are so much better than the other team's uh, bench unit. So I do, I mean, again, they're the favorite. They should be the favorite. Uh, I, I just think like things change when you get in the playoffs uh, and I think they'll yeah. be really good in the playoffs. I mean, they made the finals last year. I think they could easily win the title this year, but I do think some of what makes them great. I don't want us to get lost in the, what makes them great in the regular season isn't going to help them as much in the playoffs. Um, and it'll be interesting to see just how much it makes them great and how much that contributes and how much, because at the end of the day, like the top of their roster is weaker than the other two teams in the East than some of the top teams in the West, yep. right? Like, this is about their depth in their system more than more than the top of their roster. Um, and you know, like they have so Giannis is better than than Tatum, right? And Bede's better than Tatum, Jokic is better than Tatum. Like oh, we have all these guys you can go across the West to Kevin Durant, all that stuff. Like Tatum's not a top six player. And and I still wonder how how easy will it be to win games in the playoffs if you don't have a guy who can just take over a game? Because yeah. I don't want to have this conversation again. I know it's one you and I agree on, but he's not that guy, right? Like he doesn't do that. Um, he's not efficient enough to do that. So I, I think they need the system buckets to work in the playoffs. Last year they did until they didn't. Uh, this yeah. year I'm sure they will early and we'll see how it goes late. Yeah, we talked a lot last playoffs about some of Tatum's limitations and how those came to bear a little bit as he faced better and better competition as they got deeper and deeper into the playoffs. And maybe he's addressed those. And maybe it's one of those things that we can't really find out how well his pull-up jumper will fare against a really locked-in playoff defense until we see it. Um, and he's gotten better every single year of his career. So I'm not going to put it past him to come back in the 2023 playoffs and have just not, not completely fixed all of those issues, but at least addressed them enough that he can maybe be that guy in the postseason. I guess going back to their depth... The thing I like about their depth is not as much that they can go 10 deep and put out a five-man bench lineup that's just going to run the other team's bench off the floor, but it's the amount of guys that they can put next to their top two or three players in a playoff circumstance and for it to still work. Like, let's say this is the year that Al Horford finally drops off in the playoffs. Let's say this is the year that, you know, maybe Robert Williams, God forbid, has another knee injury or like he's dealing with some kind of health issue. He can't stay on the floor as consistently there's a matchup that he can't really hold up as well in. Um, well, then you plug in Grant Williams. You put in Malcolm Brogdon. Derek White steps in. You go with the three-guard lineup and play Jalen Brown at the four. You know, it's just they have a lot of different permutations that they can use these guys in. And so Malcolm Brogdon isn't just your backup point guard. Derek White's not just your backup point guard. They're now guys that can plug in as maybe a, clo a guard in a closing lineup, you know, and they can fit in to those high leverage minutes in a way that a lot of teams with great depth can't because it's just like, well, you know, player X is just kind of a good regular season backup point guard. And maybe that's the difference between playoff depth and regular season depth yeah. is, is the way those guys can actually plug into those high leverage situations. Yeah. And just to you know finish off the point on Tatum real quick, uh, he is setting a career high true shooting percentage at 60.8% almost entirely because of his free throw rate, right? Like it's almost entirely because his free throw rate is way up. Uh, he is only shooting 35.7% from three, similar to last year when he only shot 35.3%. That's not great. Um, he's still hitting long mid-rangers at about 40%, which is close to his career rate, 39% all mid-range. He's gotten a little bit better at the rim. It's up to 71%, but that was already at 68% last year. Hitting 45% of his corner threes, which is obviously excellent, but that's kind of holding up some otherwise poor three-point shooting. So I, I think like the concerns are still there. If he can get to the line in the playoffs, that will matter, but yeah. Again, when the ticky tack fouls don't get called as much, like 
is his free throw rate going to plummet more like, you know, James Harden's does, or is it going to stay consistent? Uh, you know, and I think that'll be kind of the indicator of how good he is and how far he's come. Yeah, those rim and free throw numbers in particular are going to be what his playoff of, uh, efficacy hinges on. Is like, can he continue to get to the rim and either draw fouls or finish at a high level? Because he couldn't do that against Golden State last year. Um, and if he can do that this year, then, you know, I think the Celtics are the clear favorite. And if he can't, I still think they're probably the favorite to win the title. Well, and in the playoffs in his career, he's never shot better than 60% at the rim. Last year, he shot 60% at the rim, and it was in the 16th percentile yeah. of the entire league. So, Yeah, I think that that that's a good stat to kind of highlight what we're getting at here, the difference between his regular season and playoff efficiency. Um, but and we'll and see. at the end of the day, I think for as much as we can talk about the bench and how much of an impact it'll make, I think it, it comes down to Tatum. Um, oh, totally, yeah. He has to be a top five player in the world in the postseason. If he's not, they're not going to win the title. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. All right, let's move on to the main event, 45, 50, whatever minutes we're in uh, to this episode. The 2023 League Pass All-Stars. I don't know how many years we've been doing this. We've we've called it different things in the past. League yeah. Pass guys, favorite guys to watch. Honestly, it's just listing some guys. That's that's kind of right. The and this of is it. the favorite that is the favorite uh, thing for this podcast to do. Yeah, we just but, love but, and, you guys. know, these are some good guys to list. Like the guys oh, we're going to list, list. Here, they're good guys. Good list um, of guys. Okay, before we before we get to the actual list, how did you define this? Like, what is a league pass all star to you? How, what is the balance, I guess, between the aesthetics of watching them and their actual, you know, effectiveness on the court? Almost no impact is. Th these were almost impacted none by the effectiveness on the court. Okay, so player quality uh, has basically nothing. To yeah, do and now it, there is a uh, you know a direct line between playing well and being entertaining. Though, yes, right? I I agree with that. Um, I, and I you know I have it. I have the same format as the All Star team. I have twelve in the East, twelve in the West. Guard, guard, forward, 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 twice, and then two wild cards. Um, and this is like. The, the best way I can describe this is I was just thinking of teams I was like, oh, yeah, if that guy's on, I'm watching that guy play. And yeah. that's it. Like, that's that's the extent of it. So I did not break it down into this the same format. I have just I did like one team 
and then some honorable mentions, and then eventually the list just kind of frayed off into just guys List I like. some guys. Yeah. So I, I have my starters, but it's a league-wide sort of thing. And in fact, as I went through this, I think I have like 13, 14 guys. All but one of t- one or two of them are in the Western Conference. So if I were to do this mm-hmm. East and West, I would have a hard time coming up with an Eastern Conference team. It is funny. I actually had... Uh, yeah, no, never mind. <laughs> my list, I did have a harder time in the East. It's just yeah. hard. Like, it's... there Because, like... So I didn't put any Sixers on this because, like, I watch every Sixers game. So right. it's tough for me to, like... Like Harden and Embiid probably would have been on there. Like Maxi would have been on there. Like those are fun guys, or at least considered. Maxi probably would have been the leader of the list, honestly. Um, the Anthony Mountain Zoo. But like I just didn't include him because I watch every game, so I can't really discern between what, like, why I'm. You sure. know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it yeah. feels unfair to include them. Well, and this also kind of goes that the fact that so many of my guys are from the Western Conference kind of gets at what we've been talking about all year, where after Denver, who started to separate itself in the standings. 2 to 13, 2 to 12, whatever it is, is just so mixed up. Oh, I think it's 13 now. Yeah, it's just everything is so close together that all these teams are fun to watch. All these teams are good, you know, to one extent, you know, to some degree or another. So there are a lot of intriguing players helping at least, you know, decent teams and in some cases really good teams throughout the conference, which I think is what makes the West more compelling um, from a night-to-night watching standpoint than the East. So I feel like to do this, we should let me rip through both of my teams, considering there will be a lot of overlap sure. and there are just more of them. Well, last thing uh, I'll say just real quick as a as kind of a criteria point, we're excluding actual all-stars from this, or at least I did. I don't know if you did this I or did not. not. Okay, so I, I excluded actual all-stars. Nikola Jokic is my favorite player in the league to watch. He is not on my team because everyone knows Nikola Jokic is awesome. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, everybody knows that these guys are fun to watch. So I tried to Draymond's, go for- Draymond's not an all-star. Well, he's an all-star to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I tried to go with some deeper cuts here and kind of look at role players on quality teams. Most of these guys are coming off the bench, you know, role players on quality teams who are, are, you know, just doing interesting things or helping their teams in one way or another on the court, even if they're not the focal point of their team. That's that's the way I looked at it. And it sounds like you maybe took a little bit more of a, a wide-ranging, more inclusive approach. Yeah, so 5 of 12 in the East for me are actual All-Stars, and all five starters in the West are, and one, two, three on the bench in the West are as well, but not all guys that I had considered All-Stars. Like, for instance, Laurie Markin is on here. I did not think he was should have okay. been an All-Star this year. All right, I'll let you start it then. You can just go through however you want to do this. Uh, just yeah, so begin, I'll rip through begin listing first. your guys. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll rip through the East first because this is clear that you're not going to have many of these guys. Uh, my starting guards are Tyrese Halliburton and Donovan Mitchell. They might be the two most fun guards to watch in the NBA. Like, I know there are other elite guards, but Tyrese Halliburton, the way he can control a game, and it almost feels like night in and night out, he's just deciding, all right, time to be passing the ball a lot. Or before the game, like, all right, I'm just going to score a bunch because it never seems like he has that, like, monster, like, 39 and 15 game or anything, right, from a counting stats, pers- stats perspective. But he always will get, like, 12 points, 14 assists or 32 points, seven assists, right? Like it always seems like he has this, I'm going to do this going into the game. And then he just does it and he does it well because he's awesome. Uh, the shooting is always fun because there's serious brick potential there too, which I really enjoy. Uh, I love watching a guy that's like a 40% shooter, just have no chance of getting near the hoop. It makes me, uh makes me laugh every time. Mitchell is just, I, we've talked enough about Donovan Mitchell. I don't need to do that. The forwards, Giannis, Mikhail Bridges and Scotty Barnes. Uh, Giannis is obvious and don't need to talk about that. Bridges, you gloat about earlier in Brooklyn. It changes things, right? Like he's going to do more stuff. Like this is, this is what we wanted. This he is, looks so good. 
Oh, dude, I'm I'm so happy that he's not in Phoenix anymore. It it make because well well people will notice there are no Phoenix Suns on this list for me. Um, just just not a team that I enjoy watching. Uh, Scotty Barnes, like he's taking a step back this year, but the chaos he creates defensively, the chaos he creates offensively, makes it super appealing. The bench, Zach Levine and Lamelo Ball. Levine, there there might not be a better player in the league, more capable of like just the what are you doing moments than Zach Levine. And that adds to the volatility, right? Volatility, a key factor here for me, because I just want, want to watch you do some stuff sometimes, and he will do that. LaMelo Ball is, I don't know, the best young passer in the NBA, right? If I'm Luca not included, because that's unfair, um, even though he's like only two or three years older than LaMelo Ball. Um, then Nick Claxton, Pascal Siakam, Jimmy Butler. Claxton is... A menace. He is an excellent rim protector. He can switch all through all one through five. He gives Joel Embiid trouble despite being a toothpick. And I got to tell you, it's pretty shocking every time it happens. Siakam is just like the only thing that's fun about Toronto other than Scotty Barnes. And I wanted him on this list because I just don't think he's gotten enough credit for anything he's done this year um, on a better team. Like he would be discussed much more. And then Butler in uh, Jimmy Butler, right? Like this is this is one of those guys that just chaos creator when he's at his best, he's at his best. Final two. Well, just real quick, if I were including actual all-stars, Jimmy Butler would be a lock for my team. Yeah, I he's love just, watching that guy. Yes. He's and just because he's, he does he does different things on different nights. It's like yes. I said with Halliburton, like sometimes it looks like he goes in the game, he's like, Yeah, I'm not scoring tonight. Right. And then he just does everything else. So he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna put up 40. And then he does. Jimmy Butler just does what the game requires of him. He whether it's rebounding, passing, screening. I mean, especially when you compare him to other stars, like actual all-stars in the league. His commitment to doing the little things, to being part of the team concept on both ends of the floor is really impressive. And that, like defensively, I think he's still really good defensively. And he's one yes. of those guys that you, you don't notice it as much if you're just kind of watching the game. But if you lock in on Jimmy Butler and you really say, OK, I'm going to spend the next five minutes of game time just looking at what Jimmy Butler's doing. You just notice all these little things that he's doing on both ends of the floor. Like the other night, I can't remember who they were playing. Um, it was late in the game. And like he just has this possession where he's guarding the corner guy. There's some left wing action. He's on the strong side corner. He he slides over in perfect help position and gets into like a 90 degree angle squat with his hands straight up, cuts off the drive, kick out to the corner, recovers to the corner and almost gets his fingertips on the ball, contests the shot, forces a miss, heat get the rebound. And that's just like that's not going to show up anywhere. But that is elite defense. But he just does stuff like that all the time. He's tipping out offensive rebounds. He's he's getting the basket. He's he's dishing off to guys. He's screening. It's just all the little stuff he does. I just I love it so much. And then he's also capable of just taking over a game as a star player. Two more from the East. You said it well with Butler. DeJounte Murray, uh, chaos agent on defense. Uh, I still enjoy watching him play offense. Um, is it because Trey Young's frustrated in the corner? Maybe. Uh, but I still enjoy watching DeJounte Murray on offense. Uh and then Cam Thomas, who is the ultimate like league pass player. Like it's the you just you just check like what Cam Thomas is doing at the end of the first quarter. Like, all right, guess we're watching three quarters of the Nets now. Uh that's even without like Bridges and Claxton. This is why I said I have three Nets on this team. Uh they're gonna be one of the most fun teams to watch the rest of the year. Cam Thomas, I don't know if he's actually good. I don't think I care. I hope he plays in the league for 20 years. Dude, I mean, you could have said a different cam on the Nets. Cam Johnson is also awesome. Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, the entire Nets roster almost is is just team read and react, quite frankly. It's amazing. 
and they do play read and react basketball. Now that Durant and Kyrie aren't on the team, they actually like move the ball and they're cutting and improvising. Unless yeah. unless Cam Thomas has the ball, in which case he's dribbling and he is shooting. And well, that's we why he's not on my from. team. I'm I'm not. That's uh, not dude, really he, my flavor of basketball. Yeah, but listen, it's usually not mine. But when that dude is going, he is going. Like that's true. He, he will like in the, the shots are rainbows too. Like you have no idea. Like it's like it hits off the scoreboard real quick and then it drops in. Well, that's how all uh, these guys are. It's like when they're going, it's like, yeah, this is, this is like Nirvana, but when they're yeah, not it's going, it's like, geez, man, <laughs> it's like, man, I'm really watching Spencer Dinwiddie shoot from 18 feet. Quite exactly. A bit. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, well, that's the nice thing about league pass. You can turn the nets off when you want to turn the nets off. Right. Uh, do you want me to rip through my West real quick before we get to yours? Yeah. So the starting five, I don't really need to say a lot about any of them. They're all superstars, essentially. Damian Lillard and Steph Curry, uh, no more blow-up potential in the NBA than those guys. LeBron, Luka, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, best defensive player in the world, best player of all time, and arguably the best player in the NBA right now. So the second team is where it gets Just more real fun. quick, I, I did my Damian Lillard thing a couple episodes ago when we yeah. did the All-Stars. I just want to reiterate. He's so great. He guys won three having point contest last night. He just walked to it. Season. By the way, we did not mention this. Mac McClung. That dude's fun. That Unreal. dude's a lot of Did fun. You, I watched him. I watched. I mean, everyone saw the high school highlights back in the day. Yeah. Um, I watched him at Georgetown at Texas Tech. Those dunks. Like, I was like, hmm, this is, I don't know how he's doing this. And they got the reactions, too. Like, they got the pop that you need at a dunk contest. Some of those dunk, like that first dunk where he grabbed it off. So he had two guys stack up and he had one hold on on the back yeah. of their neck and then he, he grabbed the it, tapped it and then reverse yeah. dunked it. I was like, how, how are you in the air that you don't like, he's doing too many things well in the air. Like he's getting a cup of coffee. He's ordering some stuff on Amazon. Like he's just going through his daily checklist and then he slowly lowers to the ground. So that Philadelphia 76 or Mac McClung, by the way, who right. they signed on a two way, definitely just so he could wear the Sixers Jersey during the dunk contest. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't actually watch all-star Saturday night, partly because mm. it's all-star Saturday night. And I, tend not to watch that but also because i i had other plans that i was actually good busy um, dunk contest and three-point contest were both good but i did go back and watch the dunk contest highlights this morning and i just it cracks me up every year because i always forget just how inane the commentary is yeah on those it's just like guys repeating phrases over and over like saying the same thing seven times in a row and just essentially serving as hype men and then the judges overrating every dunk except for like three which they underrate or properly rate. Yeah, and well, all of them, the clungs, I thought were phenomenal. I agree, uh, but the rest, like Trey, when every dunk is a forty-seven, it's like yeah. Trey Murphy had some good ones in there too. They yeah, were I creative. Agree. Like he, there, he had one where he grabbed the mic and was like windmill, windmill or, or three sixty, and or no, whatever it was, or tomahawk, and then yeah, he did windmill both. or tomahawk, and then he just like did both, and yeah. uh, I thought that was fun. I like um, his the, the self the self alley yes. out of the air. Yes, we've seen the self alley where you let it bounce and then you yeah. go up and get it, but he did it. Never that should have been a ground. 50 across the board. And I think Carl nice. Malone gave it a 45, which I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything about Carl Malone. I'll say something. Carl Malone shouldn't have been a judge for the dunk contest. He shouldn't have anything to do with the, the NBA should never have Carl Malone <laughs> representing the NBA for anything. I think, I think and, and I think that's probably a good place to leave it. But I think that is well put. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, but yeah that. <laughs> no, my, McClung was excellent. Uh you know, uh, I thought Trey Murphy was excellent. Jericho Sims like definitely had like <laughs> the lamest dunks of the night. <laughs> like, I know, he, man. He did the he tried to do the two elbows in, and then he had one in. And then he only got his wrist in, so he hurried up. <laughs> he put, yeah, Draymond called him out for it, and then he had like the note, or, like he taped the the note when he put like 
his whole arm. I don't know. Just, and, but then the it and broke, he pulled so you couldn't really up read with it. Net. Yeah, yeah, and he pulled himself up with the net on that one. It's like, well, here's the thing though: the Trey Murphy uh, Grand Theft Alvarado thing was fun. I that was nice. That, that was a nice little yeah. Because I thought he messed it up at first. I was like, oh, bad yeah. start. But then. Yeah, no. And then, yeah, it plays right into it. The theatrics nice. of his theatrics were the best. Uh, I thought McClung, obviously, had the best dunks of the night. That's a good way to put it. Here's the other thing, though. Just last point. I'll, like Jericho Sims is kind of representative of this to me. If Jericho Sims does the two elbows in the rim thing in 2006. Yeah. It's like a mind-blowing revolutionary dunk. We're running out of dunks. We're just at the point now where everyone's so athletic and we've seen so many things. And Well, that's why McClung's so impressive. Right. To come up with something new. And he's doing new stuff. Yeah. It's like it's just really hard to distinguish yourself at this point. And I know I just kind of ragged on the judges for give, for making the floor like a 46. That's like the lowest score you can get. Yeah. But it, I mean, they are impressive. impressive dunks. Yeah. Like he was, these would all be fifties if they were done in 1997, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's just like, it's, I think that's part of why all-star Saturday night and particularly the dunk contest has lost some of its appeal is I think we're just kind of jaded at this point. We've seen yeah. so many great dunks that when we see one now, like Trey Murphy doing the, uh, the reverse 360 like windmill yeah. thing. That's a great dunk. Like Vince Carter did that. And yeah. Everything blew up. Yeah. And now you do. And it's like, okay, we've seen that a million times. Yeah. Well, and and I think that's why to win a dunk contest, you either have to do what McClung did and be creative or have the personality, right, to do this. Jer- Jericho Sims does not have the personality for right. a dunk contest. Like or the name recognition. Yeah. Well, not even the, like Trey Murphy doesn't have name recognition, but he had the personality to like do some stuff, right? Right. Jericho Sims would do these dunks and then Blankley's there into the camera. Just right here. And that was it. I just I don't think it's ever going to get better than Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine in 2016. No, 17, whatever no, that was. no. The the good one was uh, Aaron Gordon and Andre Iguodala. That was the go go watch Iguodala. Wait, Aaron Gordon and Andre Iguodala. Yeah. Did they overlap enough? For wait, them no, no, both? no. Sorry, sorry. Not uh, Aaron Gordon. Oh man, this is going to bother me. Was it Nate Robinson? Nate Robinson and Dwight Howard were adversaries oh, wow. for a little while. It was Nate Robinson. I don't know. I think I think I heard you say Aaron Gordon and so then just repeated Aaron Gordon. Uh, that is not what I meant. <laughs> In case that isn't blatantly obvious. Um, but no, that is the 2006 dunk contest. Uh, it was go watch Andre Godala in 2006. That is like that's the gold standard to me. And he didn't win it. Because Nate uh, Nate Robinson won it. So fair enough. Anyway, right, so, let's let's finish whatever off we were your doing. Oh, yeah, let me. Team. I did the starters already. Uh, my backups. Jalen Green, John Morant at guard. Jalen Green, again, massive blow-up potential, the kind of guy that you're not like watching at the beginning of the game. Or maybe you watch at the beginning to see how he's doing, or you check a box score at the end of the first and then hop into a Rockets game be like, hey, he might score 40 tonight. Let's see how this goes. Or he's going to shoot 37 times and two of them are going to go in, which is also kind of fun. See, that's um, the thi- this, this is the big difference between our list. Jalen Green just never crossed my mind for this because the oh, two man, of 37 that dude's a human highlight factory. You know, it's just like... Beauty League Pass, you should turn the channel. I got, again, I talk about it all the time. I get, that's why I have the three TV setup, right? Like I can. Well, that I maybe can, that's like, the difference is I only have one TV, so I have to really prioritize. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Morant, self-explanatory. Laurie Markinen, self-explanatory. Shoots from everywhere uh, and can and will shoot from everywhere, I should say. Jalen Williams from the Thunder, who mm, is like. That's a good one. Yeah. Just his. So he's like got really long arms and a short torso and really long legs. So he like kind of looks unorthodox. And so anytime he goes up for a dunk, it's like. How's he still in the air? How's he, well, he still also reaching? wears and those like, goofy high socks? Yeah, when he has the short, the short shorts. shorts yeah. yeah, dude. No, it's a great look. <laughs> Jalen Williams has got a, he's got uh, the right fashion sense for NBA games. That dude is awesome. Excellent passer too. Uh, good defender despite not being all that that quick. Jeremy Sohan, 
who is just a chaos creator and like the aesthetic of Jeremy Sohan is perfect. It's essentially Dennis Rodman. I was right? going to say Rodman 2.0. Yeah. Just so Jeremy Sohan is like my ideal tanking team watch because he's playing good basketball. Last two um, better players here. One's an all-star Shea Gilgis Alexander self-explanatory there really appreciate like I don't like mid-range shooters but he makes them so often and he gets them and so like the, the ways he gets there are so fun um that I really enjoy it and it wouldn't be league pass all-stars if I didn't mention CJ McCollum so uh mm. you and I's like into perpetuity one of our favorite players to watch always has been always will be CJ man I excluded CJ because I feel like oh, the name, come on well no only because I feel like the name ID is too high at this point mm, it's fair. like everyone already not, knows he's not an all-star like he he's has... not an all-star but he's he's a perennial he's like a, a league pass all-star emeritus for me just as long as he's in the league he's, he's gonna be on this list yeah CJ is like it's CJ is was also the dude who was like oh yeah, he's gonna be a sixer like you're gonna trade for him they're gonna trade for him. this was like six years of this uh and I love CJ just he's an just, artist man he's, he's wonderful. an artist so my, my list cuts a little bit deeper than yours uh, with some of these role players. I You know, we often compare... Uh, let's see you get as as deep as Jalen Williams, a guy you've watched <laughs> probably three times this year. Oh, come on. Give me some credit, man. I watch the Thunder <laughs> consistently. Do They're, you? I do. Mm, I'm, I find that surprising. How do you think I knew about the Jalen Williams high socks and short shorts? Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. You'll All know right, about right. that unless you're... Because I know... Well, no, you can find me on social head. media, and I know you are on social I'm media. I'm not on social so. media. <laughs> We often refer to League Pass as, as the League Pass menu, right? We've used this analogy before. So the way I kind of think about my list here is if guys like Jokic and Giannis and Steph and these these all-stars are the, you know, the steak and chicken and fish and mashed potatoes of the League Pass menu, these guys on my list are like the salt and pepper and cumin. They're They're in the spice cabinet in the back of the restaurant that serves up the League Pass menu. So my first guy... Co-captain of my 2023 League Pass All-Star. You could probably guess who this is. It's Dante DiVincenzo of the Golden State Warriors. A guy I know you like, Villanova guy. Um, just a super smart passer, cutter, and screener. Solid team defender. I love team defenders. This is going to be a theme on my on my list here. Um, just fits perfectly with Steph and Draymond. Warriors with, with DiVincenzo and Draymond on the floor, plus 6.2 net rating. That goes up to 19.1 with Steph and Draymond on the floor with DiVincenzo. Very small sample size on that second one. Um, but the point being that he complements those guys really well. That's another through line here between a lot of these guys is they all just, they complement the stars on their team in a really lovely way where they're not carrying the bulk of the weight, but when they're asked to accent the skill sets of better players, they do so really nicely. We talked at the beginning of the season a little bit about how DiVincenzo, it felt like, I said earlier, it felt like he was playing really well. But statistically, he was having an awesome, an awful season. Well, he's up to 59% true shooting um, and 42% three-point shooting this season. So he's really come around offensively and, and developed into a nice player for them. Sharing the backcourt with DiVincenzo, a guy who did not go to Villanova but plays like he went to Villanova, a guy we talk about all the time who also has worse stats than you think, DeAnthony Melton. Um, still doesn't have great stats, I got to say. I looked him up before we did this. Not amazing, but like, who cares? The vibes are amazing with him. Again, compliments Embiid really well, compliments Harden really well. Uh, plus 4.3 net rating with Embiid and Melton on the floor. That goes up to plus 9.1 with Embiid, Melton, and Harden on the floor in almost 1,400 possessions. So a pretty good sample size there. For what um, it's worth with Melton, if he would stop trying to finish at the rim, he would be so much better. He shoots 40% from three on five and a half attempts per game. Yeah. He's a good shooter. 
good shooter, good team defender. Again, can stop guard, shooting at the rim. Can guard either guard spot. You know, fits in on and off the ball defensively. Fits in with Maxi and Harden. Just a, again, a really scalable guy whose game fits in a lot of different places. In the front court, another co-captain of this team, another guy that I talk about incessantly, Vlatko Chanchar of the Denver Nuggets, who quietly has filled in quite nicely while Aaron Gordon has been out with an injury. Um, again, smart, kind of team-first combo forward, big man, plays really well off of Jokic. Um, he's opportunistic in transition. He's a good cutter. He's a good entry passer, which is really important when you're playing next to Nikola Jokic. Um, quick decision maker, just a guy who he can recognize an advantage, get the ball, move it to the place where the advantage is, and let the possession continue to flow. Solid shooter, 63.4% true shooting, almost 43% from three. Um, and again, with Jokic on the floor, plus 13.4 net rating with both those guys on the floor. So again, complementing the star player. Uh, alongside him in the front court, Larry Nance Jr., an old favorite of mine. Great DHO guy great like old school finisher around the basket he'll bust out some like hook shots and like julius irving reverse layups quietly shooting 35 percent from three this year that's an important shot for him because it's it helps new orleans which doesn't have a lot of floor spacing in the front court helps them space the floor a little bit makes him a little bit of an easier fit with zion williamson and i think his interior defense has been pretty good this year um, particularly as kind of the secondary big man defender where he can be more of a, a roamer rotation passing lanes kind of guy, as opposed to a primary rim protector. Um, and then also in the front court, old favorite of both yours and mine, Steven Adams, rugged screener, solid high post facilitator, a, a, an area of his game that's really blossomed since he got to Memphis. Um, and I think sneakily like a really important offensive player for them. I'm actually working on an article right now about his offensive value to the Grizz, where I think without his offensive rebounding and screening, they just have a really hard time scoring efficiently um, on offense. So he, he's, I think, not only a fun guy to watch, but but kind of underrated as an offensive player for the Grizz. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, I'll just rifle through some of these bench guys. Like I said, I didn't split this up into any sort of team format beyond the starting five. A couple other nuggets, guys. My team would crush your team. By the way, mostly because I have 24 players and several all stars. But... Well, yeah, you you included the all stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah semantics. I I opened up the spice cabinet. Um, Bruce Brown and KCP both just really nice players. Bruce Brown, another guy who's done a nice job filling in while Jamal Murray has been out. Um, I think he's moved beyond like the small ball five role that the Nets had him in last year. You know, he kind of he got all this acclaim for being kind of the Gary Payton the second type of you know small ball center who's actually a guard type of thing. And and now he's actually expanding into being more of a three-point shooter this year in Denver. 
Um, he's been a really active cutter. Just another guy who compliments Jokic really well. Um, KCP, obviously, just sort of the prototypical 3 and D player in the 2023 NBA. Great cutter, just like outstanding perimeter defender, has great hands, knows who he is as a player, doesn't try to do more than he can. Um, so he's he's a really nice watch. Two Knicks guys, a team that we don't often celebrate on this podcast, but Josh Hart and Quentin Grimes, both really, really fun 3 and D players who can do a little bit more than that. Heady playmakers. I wish they were both a little bit better shooters. Um, but beyond that, I just like that archetype of 6'5", 6'6", kind of wing type who just does a lot of things well. Um, really fun player to watch, uh, player type to watch for me. Kyle Anderson, perennial candidate for this list. Uh, slow-mo obviously like the the way he creates advantages despite the lack of of real explosiveness is always fun to watch um, but has also really helped stabilize the Timberwolves I think in Carl Anthony Towns's absence uh, he was a spot starter there for a while he fits in nicely next to all of the guys on that team or all the stars on that team and, and just plays his role really well Shaden Sharp uh, the rare rookie on this team. Just for- I actually was going to include Shaden Sharp, but I like I just couldn't find space to take someone off. Just purely on the basis that, like, on any given night, he might do an in-game dunk that you've never seen before, or or attempt an in-game. Some some of his misses, honestly, are like rewind worthy. Where I'll I'll go back and I'll like watch that alley oop again, even though he clanged it off the back rim. When he when he decided when he pulled out of I don't I can't remember what the reasoning was when he pulled out of the dunk contest. I was pretty sad. Me too. I I, I actually I thought he would he might have won it if he uh if he'd stayed I in. hope I hope just once and I understand why they don't do it. I would love it if Jaw and Zion and Shaden Sharp and whoever else. Like put put McClung back in there. More guys here. Another Pelican, Jose Alvarado. Um we alluded earlier to the uh you know the 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 thievery and the Trey Murphy dunk. He does that in the games, obviously. And and like even more than that, just the energy he plays with, the way he kind of plays to the crowd. Um, it just he he's like the hometown favorite for like he, he feels like a hometown favorite to me, even though I've never been to New Orleans. Um, he's just that kind of player. You know, he's like pumping up the crowd. He's in addition to, I think, being a really nice rotation player for the Pelicans this year. Nick Batum, I think just the fact that he's on this list as a member of the Los Angeles Clippers is testament enough to uh, the beauty of his game. The king of the no dip three great ball mover good screener, team defender. I wish the Clippers ran a system that accentuated his strengths more than their current system does, but alas, Jared Vanderbilt, another great energy guy who I think is fitting in well with the Celtics, or with the, um, not the Celtics, the Lakers so far. Nas Reed, another Timberwolf who has has come off the bench and just consistently provides a, a spark for them. Really skilled offensive big man who can initiate from the perimeter a little bit, shoot threes, get to the basket. Um, Najee Marshall, another Pelican, probably should have been mentioned earlier on this list, to be honest. Like, just just as a he, he to me, he is kind of the litmus test of like a true league pass viewer. Like, if you know who, if you're familiar with with the work of Najee Marshall, I can respect you as a basketball fan. You know what I mean? Are you saying you don't respect anyone who doesn't know who he is? A little bit, yeah. I guess that is what I'm saying. <laughs> You know, can I trust your opinion on the NBA if you don't, if you aren't like intimately familiar with Najee Marshall's game? I don't know. One of the best in the league at uh, catching the ball and attacking closeouts on the move. So essentially starting his drive before he catches the ball and then getting yeah. downhill as a way to attack closing out defenders. He also like, there might not be a 
player in the league who has tricked me more into thinking he's a good shooter when he's not. <laughs> like, yeah. like Najee Marshall can't shoot, but every time he puts one up, puts one up, I'm like, oh, that's going in. Like, you got that one. Well, because he looks the part. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. like he's got three and D role player written all over. Forms good. Shoot. He's shooting like thirty percent. Yeah, but really aggressive. He's like a very aggressive and decisive player. He just there's no wasted time. There's no wasted movement with him. And the Pels have even used him, like especially when when Brandon Ingram was out. They actually used him to initiate offense a decent amount on the second unit. Like he was running some pick and rolls and he's developed into a decent pocket passer, can throw the skip pass to the weak side corner. Like he's got he's got some on ball chops. He's not a guy you want to run your offense through in the playoffs, but every so often in the regular season, you need to create, you know, something out of a pick and roll. You can turn to Najee Marshall. And, and you know, what else is league pass about, you know, tuning into league pass about if not to see that kind of stuff? I mean, it's all about getting through the grind of the regular season and guys like Najee Marshall just doing stuff with the ball in their hands um, are, are kind of the, the rewards of following along um, all 30 teams throughout the season. One more player here, a guy who has recently emerged for the Dallas Mavericks since the Kyrie Irving trade, a guy who I never gave up on, by the way, one of my all time favorite Tar Heels, by the way, listen, I, like bit aside, Jaden Hardy should be on this list. Before it's not Theo a bit. I'm genuinely a, a huge believer in Theo Pinson. We just how are those heels doing this year? By the way, I don't know. It's not good. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't really it's, kept up. It's it's not good. <laughs> yeah, I college think, basketball casual Ben Ladner. Yeah, I'll cop to that. Yeah, that's my my which, honestly. Fandom. By the way, like that used to impact when we would do uh like our draft stuff, right? Like it was like, oh, Ben hasn't watched college basketball. It's like. You really don't need to watch college basketball to, uh, yeah, to know who how the best players are doing because most of them aren't in college basketball anymore. My Carolina fandom peaked back out during the tournament last year when they made the Final Four. I was pretty invested at yeah. that point, but but after that run, it was. Uh, Did we yeah. watch that together? Where? Oh like, no, I, I was think so. Oh, no, I I was never mind. I was trying to think of where it was. I know where it was. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized it. Last guy on my list. This is a true deep cut. I actually would be curious to know if you will recognize this person when I say their name. Corey Jez. The uh the um the anal not I keep wanting to say financial analyst, the yeah. statistical analyst for the Blazers broadcast. Yes. Corey Jez is awesome. Corey Jez is the yeah, man. No. He was I remember at the beginning of the year, he he when he first started, it was you could tell he was a little nervous and he wasn't as good, but now he's like really gotten into it. And I love so when they good. cut to him. Yeah, that, that by the way, Blazers scorebook still excellent. Ben Ladner is wrong about this no. and will remain wrong the rest of the time. It's the one because it allows them to cut, it allows them to pull Corey Jez over into the little mini box. Uh well, they could do that anyway. No, shut up. Uh Corey Jez is I'm, I'm you don't I don't know if you know who this is. Yeah, okay. Come on. <laughs> Have you met me? That's true. I, I should have given is, you more credit. There is not a single NBA player that you could name that I wouldn't know. That's why it's like, what's he talking about? I was like, oh, he's going to do some broadcast shit. And I was like, mm, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't was. know who Corey Jez is. Corey Jez is fantastic. Corey and I love Jez, their, their graphics, by the way. They pull up the like shot percentage when guys take shots. Yes. It's all excellent. Yeah, and they, they do the percentile on the, on the scale. Yep. Corey Jez is, is the messenger we need in yes. the analytics community because – he doesn't come off as like a, you. <laughs> he doesn't come off as like a huge nerd who's just being like, well, his VORP is higher than you know. He's not. He's not doing the things that that anti analytics people use as straw men for the analytics movement. He's actually he's simplifying it. Yes, he's simplifying it and he's presenting it in a way 
that connects with what casual viewers already know about basketball. So you yes. might be watching the game and thinking, boy, it really seems like the, the Pels are getting out in transition against the Blazers defense a lot in this game. And here comes Corey Jez telling you, yeah, the Pelicans they are, scoring are actually these many, this amount of points per possession in transition. The Blazers on average give up this many. And it's like, you okay, now I have I've some data something. to put with this thing that I'm actually noticing with my eyes. And I'm realizing now that, in fact, analytics and the eye test are not mutually exclusive, but they can be used together. And Corey Jez marries those two things in his analysis rather than people on Twitter just being like, I developed yes. a model to measure what. And those are useful, too. But like to those are those are useful for you and I who already care about and understand them. They're not useful to people who don't care about it yes. and don't want to understand it. I can't tell you how many times I was saying I've been watching a broadcast and like I've thought something that Corey Jez has just said. I'm like, oh, there it is right there. If we want to reach across the aisle and and win over the people who are mad about analytics, we need more people like Corey Jez. So yes, that's why do. he's on my League Pass All-Star team. Great choice. By the way, if if you had to pick a broadcast crew to call your your League Pass All-Star game, who are you who are you taking? The Blazers. Yeah, me too. Cuz you get Corey Jez too presumably. Blazers or Pels. Uh, it's close. Oh, man. Yeah. I think Jez puts it over the top for the Blazers. He does. But if you're going just with the tandem, it might be the Pels. The thing I love about the Blazer cast is it makes me feel like I'm listening to a baseball game on the radio. It's got the same feel. See, Joel Myers does that for me. I They're a little bit more. Antonio Daniels makes it. And this isn't a bad thing, but it's just a difference. Makes it a little bit more like rat-a-tat and it's kind of a quicker dialogue. The Blazers, I mean, you'll watch a Blazers game sometimes and there's 12 seconds of dead air. But it works. And you yeah. just hear the crowd noise. You hear the player chatter. You you kind of take in the atmosphere. The Pels are, are more just kind of describing the action, and it is action all the time. Yeah, but nobody describes it better than Joel Myers. Oh, I right? agree. Like, and his voice, it's a radio voice. It um, is. He's, he's excellent. Yeah, those are those have been my two favorite broadcasts in the league this year. Nets, not far behind. I and Eagle remains just yeah, unbelievable. Uh, the, the Kings has... Just not been as good. I agree. I agree. It's just not been as good. I know. Yeah. It's tough. Which is really tough because I really like Mark Jones. Same. Yeah. And the backup crew isn't there as good when Kings when Jones can't do it. That's the th that's the thing about some of these these the Kings, the Nets, the Knicks. You know, you tune in, you're not always getting you're not the getting your guy because a lot of them have national broadcasters on their A team. Yeah. And so you're and you which know, is I mean, why they're the A team, right? Because they're not they're doing this nationally. Exactly. They're so well thought of. And nothing. You know, against... That's how you and like, you know, we all know national broadcasts are infallible. That's why we got greats like Mark Jackson doing national broadcasts. That's right. I will say you and I have, uh, you know, gotten on some national broadcasts before. I think Jeff Van Gundy has been so much better of late. And I think so, like, too. I, I think I, when he goes on the low post, I think it's a must listen. But I think Jeff Van Gundy, I don't necessarily think I've ever disagreed with his ideas. I think I've disagreed with the fact that he's mostly arguing with Mark Jackson and being incredulous about like things that Mark Jackson says. Maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah, but I think well, Jeff Van just Gundy, like complaining about yeah. stuff that is not relevant to the game. Yeah, and he doesn't. Well, I think part of that, though, though is like Jackson just like saying stuff. Right. And yeah, he's yeah. reacting to it. Uh, but no, I think Jeff Van Gundy's been phenomenal. Yeah, this Stan year. Van uh, Gundy also very Stan good. Stan is also excellent. Yeah, both both really, really I good. I think Jim Jackson does a pretty good job on the yes. TNT national broadcasts. Yes. Yeah. What about the other TNT uh, broadcast guys? We'll leave that one alone. <laughs> I think Brian Anderson's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Anyone else? No. 
No. Yeah, and and by the way, nothing against the, nothing against the Kings backup broadcast. Nothing against the Nets Knicks yeah. broadcast. Uh, it's just the not the same as Breen. It's, it's not the same as Mark Jones. It's not the same as Ian yeah. Eagle. Well, that, that and that's what makes the Blazers and Pels so reliable. Is you always know who you're getting. By the way, sorry, I, this popped in my head. I need your thoughts on this. We actually haven't discussed this. Brandon Godden. Yes, my guy, BG. Yes, doing Braves uh, play-by-play, right? New voice of the Braves replacing Chip Carey, which, by the way, Chip Carey, like, I can't remember a time in my life when I wasn't I'm gonna listening bite my to tongue. Chip Carey call baseball games. So this is going to be a new experience, but it does help that uh, that Brandon Brandon's Godden, really, really good. Uh, yeah, it is. helps that Brandon's really good, and the fact that uh, I know him, and he's a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, has fouled me more times than I can count in pickup basketball. Yeah, he. Uh, a lot. I obviously have had to watch a lot of Big Ten basketball over the last five years. Some of it on TV, and he's had to. He's fantastic. Well, listen, I get paid to. What do you want from me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yes, I have to. Yeah, that's fair. No, I'm excited. I, I think. Uh, yeah, if if they had to replace Chip, this is a great person to replace him with. I am very excited for baseball season. It is baseball is also the ultimate. Like, just put it on one of the side TVs and just yeah. Phillies games on. I I have every Phillies game on TV, no matter what. I I had uh, this discussion by the way with with Cam Drummond, friend of ours, friend of the podcast, about like he was ready for the All Star break because like he kind of needed the reset. Well, I, he's a Mavs I, fan, so that, yeah, true. that's a little bit of a different circumstance. Yeah, true. I I, I texted him last night like I just needed an NBA game to watch. <laughs> like I was like, I was like, now what? <laughs> like the, you know, and and like. I don't know what I'm going to do Monday through Wednesday, right? We all-star games tonight. I'll probably like have that on halfway, watch some college basketball yeah. today. Not a lot of college basketball though on Mondays and Tuesdays. So I don't know what I'm going to do there uh, or Mondays really more so than anything. And it's like, okay, I got to get through like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now no NBA games. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I always tell myself, well, I'll catch up on some movies. I've always wanted to watch. Yeah, Maybe I do I'll that too. And then I don't. And, and then like by Monday, I'm like, who's playing tonight? Oh, no one's playing it. Oh, what do I yeah, do? It sucks. What am I like? I'm just bored for the entire night. Yeah. Oh, and the nice thing being a Sixers fan, like their stretch coming, they have the hardest schedule in the NBA the rest of the way. So they're like, I should be able to watch game in and game out, like them have it play at a high level, which I think will be instructive. Um, but yeah, like that, that race in the East and with how tight the West is, stars got to play. You cannot afford to sit your guys at this point. Looking at you, Clippers. No, you know what? Let's add another star to that mix. Let's get Russell Westbrook involved. <laughs> well, We've okay. Come full circle. This this is a good place to close. This is part of why I'm worried about the Suns. I just, in addition to thinking that Kevin is Durant not going to defend anyone, is well, there's that, and also I don't think Kevin Durant's as good as um, most people do. That's that's been well documented. If still to a top who seven listens. player, yeah, yeah, he's a great player, great player. But I don't, I don't look at him as like, like the Suns didn't get prime LeBron, and I think sometimes people. Some of the analysis I've seen makes it seem like, oh, this is like, or even, or even current LeBron, right, right. Like I don't think he's in the conversation for best player in the league. I'll put it that way, and I think a lot of people yeah. do. That's where my my difference in evaluation comes from. But part of it, it's not just that. It's not just the defense. It's that the Suns are going to have like twenty games, if that, with their healthy roster, assuming that no one else gets injured from here on out. If Durant comes back and everyone stays healthy, they'll have fifteen, twenty, maybe twenty five games with everyone there. And I just think, especially with, with the parody in the West this year, with how good the top three or four in the West are this year, it's just going to be really hard to build the continuity that they're going to need in the playoffs. And I don't think that they can run through the Western conference with a, uh, my turn, your turn isolation offense, yeah. where it's just those guys alternating. Like I, I think well, and- 
if this were a different talent and maybe a different Western conference in a different season, maybe that would be viable. But I just think they're going to need a little bit more cohesion, especially offensively. Well, maybe and and defensively too. I mean, they're just going to need, need time to play with need each other. Something defensively, Anything and they don't they don't have time. Yeah, if one through eight were to stick uh, again, including play in one, the Warriors would not make the playoffs. That would be Nuggets Wolves in the first round, which again is the matchup. We for years it was Nuggets Jazz, but now we get the Gobert Jokic, the initial argument of this podcast. Yeah. Um, Grizz Pels in the first round, which uh, if Zion's back would be electric. That would be a oh my god. Kings Mavs, which would be a matchup. Although like again, that. the Kings won like that. That's a over under of like two seventy for every game. Well, and, uh, and if then, the Kings beat the Mavs, and it's like, hey, yeah. oh. did we make the right choice not drafting yeah. Luka Doncic because we just beat him in the playoffs? <laughs> hey, Mavs, how did drafting Luka Doncic go for you? And where's Marvin Bagley at again? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's that's not the point. That's not yeah, the point. That's they have Kevin Herter now. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and then Clippers Suns in the first round, which like again, get me Russell Westbrook on that court against Kevin Durant, uh, just destroying their Clippers Suns. Make that the NBA TV series yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> you know what's funny? Everyone else would be clamoring, like, "Oh, we get Kawhi, Paul George, KD, Devin Booker, uh, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, maybe." And you and I are like, "Man, can you just NBA TV that bad boy so I don't have to pay attention to give, it?" Uh, dude, give me Grizz Pels over Clippers Suns. Oh yeah, every well, single day of the week. If, if the well, to be fair, if it ended today, like Celtics Hawks is is the NBA TV series. I think yeah. without question, yeah, no question. Because well, even like the Sixers... Hawks are in the playoffs, it's the NBA TV series. <laughs> well, even like Sixers Knicks is like regionally entertaining, and Bucks Heat. It's like they've played before; they have the history. Um, you know, I will say one last note before we go: the Lakers are the 13 seed currently. They're going to make the playoffs. Uh. Lakers and Warriors, those are the teams to watch. Yeah, I think so. They're two back of the Thunder right now. I think the Thunder ideally want to drop out anyways, um, just to get to the 10 seed. And then, like, if the Lakers Warriors play in a play, and I think the Lakers are winning that game. I'm a little worried about the Pels, man. I'm afraid they're going to be the team that that misses the cut. Honestly, like, I don't like saying this. If Zion's not going to come back, I hope they do. Yeah, I mean, what's the point at that point? Yeah, right. Like you'd rather get LeBron in or Dame in, anyways. And then, you, so you bump the the easy solution. Then is, you know, the Pels and the Thunder fall out, and the Blazers and the Lakers replace them, and you get a play in of Wolves, Warriors, Lakers, Blazers. You kidding me? You kidding me? Oh, it'd be incredible. Or on. by the way, the Mavs are a half game out of the plan. Everyone's a half game out of the play. I mean, everyone the Kings is have, the Kings have created a little separation. They're, they're three games from the play now at this point. Okay. Yeah. It seems like the top three or four three. Is starting to crystallize. Well, the, the Clippers bit. are still only two out. And if they had Russ there, they will find their way back down. Yeah. Like they, they will, they will go down those, uh, those well, standings. Cool. I know. So I, just I think made four fun through 13 is now the group. And, and by the way, we have not talked enough about the Kings this year. They're 32 and 25. It's not like an overwhelmingly great record, right? Like they would be the, the sixth seed in the East, but in a very competitive West, they're the three seed. They're now three games clear of the plan with no reason to believe that they're going to drop off. And it looks like they're going to be locked into a playoff spot. Credit to Monty McNair and Mike Brown. Yeah. They're not going to win the title. Credit to Monty McNair and Mike Brown for getting them where the owner wanted them to go. And I know I just made fun of the Clippers for never playing their stars, but Kawhi Leonard is starting to play a little bit more often. He's starting to play better. And right. like, I I know we, we like to clown the Clippers a lot on this podcast, but if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, that's Listen, that's still a good team. Like in theory, I don't is, think they're which the is why, favorite, but they're still good. Right. Like if you get those two guys on the court, that's why you need to add a Hall of Famer like Russell Westbrook to the mix. <laughs> and really, like it's getting a little too calm, 
right? The waters are not choppy anymore. You made it through the storm. There's another storm ahead, baby. Oh, man. Can't wait to see how it shapes out. (laughs) Lots coming down the pike in the NBA season, entering the home stretch. Can't wait. Stay tuned into this podcast through the remainder of the season. Until next time, uh, make sure to follow John's work covering Penn State Athletics at the Center Daily Times, as well as on the Nittany Gritty. Uh, Nittany Gritty. I I said I did the the right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I respect the Nittany it. Gritty podcast with Tim Frazier. We will also be doing a live podcast in Chicago for any Big Ten uh, men's basketball fans out there uh, during the Big Ten tournament that Friday. We will be at the Over Under Bar. So, right on. I think eleven a.m. to eight p.m. It's gonna be Chicago a people thing. turn out. Yeah, I will stop in at some point. Uh, Penn State presumably will be playing that Friday, although maybe not. And maybe I'll just be there for nine hours. Sounds fun. It should be a good time. Very excited for it. Uh, You can also catch my work from time to time covering the NBA at the step back. Um, And other than that, obviously, both both John and I are uh, on this podcast regularly. So continue to tune in. Continue continue to uh, like, subscribe, rate the show, leave us positive reviews. That helps out a lot. You can also send us an email at readandreactpodcast at gmail.com, readandreactpodcast at gmail.com to send your thoughts, questions, concerns about the show, uh, mailbag questions, logistical questions, anything like that. Uh, You can send it there. All right. Until next time, everyone stay safe. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And John, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.